we are 12 rows back, back with two witty and insightful fans with a knowledgeable and insightful take on our great game. Round 11 is done and dusted. We've reached the halfway point of the year. Plenty to digest, plenty to talk about. Our two teams went head-to-head. 1v2 on the ladder went head-to-head. That's just off the top of my head. Seb, how are you travelling, mate? Oh, yeah, fantastic. We are, we're halfway down. Everyone's played 11 games. We can see... We're starting to see the dust settle a bit. I can I can categorically rule out about seven to eight teams for the flag pretty easily. Jeez, um, you could have almost said uh, for the eight almost as well. Yeah, yeah, there won't be much change, although there's a... I was about to say there's a big, big sound, but it's not that team I'm thinking of who <laughs> the supporters seem to think they're charging. Um, but I, I've actually I've done it. I've had a look at sort of everything and I only I think there are only four teams that can win the flag from here although I did that thinking about three days ago and everything's changed yeah I, I'm with you I mean I'm trying to get my head around the results week to week every time uh, a challenger beats Richmond we put them up there challengers are now starting to beat challengers we're getting those matchups um, but I mean, yeah, oh, let's get let's get into it. I mean, we've got a big episode. We're talking the impact of COVID. We've got the bombers in there, and of course, our mid-season awards. I'm really keen to get into those. And as usual, the uni grades and the rapid fire, and even a, a mailbag if we've got one. So it's a it's a big show. And and we're going to review. We've got our mid-season awards. Who who's leading the pack at this stage? We've got our pre-season predictions, Tom, which we'll revisit. And uh, Jeez, like, don't know if either of us want to do that. Little little spoiler. Yes, I'll again admit I was wrong about Simple Simon Goodwin because I actually think uh, I'm probably not ready to give him the credit for that win on Friday. But he certainly his team of coaches certainly <laughs> what, took the chocolates on the day against the dogs. So. Um, uh, the, we'll we'll go back over what we did predict, go through what we got wrong, what we got right. Uh, that's a segment from my man Colin Cowherd over in the states. Every Monday we do where Colin was Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Tom, well we'll do where Tom yeah, and Seb were right and wrong. I don't mind that because I, I can't exactly sink the boots in you about that one because I've got a couple that I know are going to come out later on. Off the top though, the COVID uh, well. COVID outbreak here in Victoria, it's played havoc with the fixture. We saw the first part of that uh, on, on the weekend with with a few games uh, swapping location, a few games played in front of no crowds. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, putting aside everything that's going on and we're going to stay uh, in the AFL sphere and not get too uh, political, but uh, we did miss out on Friday uh, with, with the no crowd for that blockbuster on Friday. I think there would have been 50,000 or 45, whatever the 85% is, uh, into that one, two teams starving for premiership success in Melbourne and the Dogs, and the D's just uh, stamped themselves in that one. What'd you make of that one, just off the top? Yeah, they um, they're really impressive. The D's. Um, I think I mentioned it, it's really tough because we sort of we do our tipping and best bets early in the week, and I think we both had the Dogs as one of our best. Leg in the air, I think, was uh, the often used expression. I, I, I was, I mean, I saw the Dogs in that uh, Saints. To, demolition and I was I was thinking they'll, they'll romp this one in yeah I was real bullish about them too um, I sat down about half an hour before the game and I just started thinking and looking at some of the ins and outs and I in my tipping app I switched over to Melbourne and I was pretty happy oh, with got, myself because I was only one in the office who got them <laughs> um, and they were just ultra impressive the D's um, that one point loss the week before was the loss they needed to 
Yeah. Not, not that they were playing with complacency, but it just straightened them up and they came into this game red hot, ready to go. Uh, and w- what they did really well was there was no crowd, it was very quiet, and they came in and fired themselves up. So, you know, team like Richmond relies on that MCG home crowd to do it. And, you know, clearly if they're across the road, now they're going to be interstate, so good luck. Um, <laughs> they, they get the crowd to fire them up. That's not going to be the case, and it's not necessarily going to happen for the next... It could be a month, it could be a while. Uh, but, no, Melbourne, really impressive. And every time the dogs came back with... Every time the dogs asked a question, the Ds seemed to have an answer, and uh, it could have been a lot worse in the end. Yeah, that's happened a couple of times, I think, with the Ds. Uh, they you know, could have really put the foot down. I mean, they didn't really need to do much more, though, did they? They made made the statement, bounced out early. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, with, with the lack of crowds, you know, the, they haven't exactly piped in the uh, fake crowd noise. It had that real tack cup, uh, you know, leading up to the granny sort of feel uh, noise-wise, but you could tell just the Ds were just making that much noise. They were vocal. They, they made the statement and... Yeah, I'm interested actually on your thoughts about the games that were played in front of uh, no fans. I mean, I guess the other one, Cats v Pies and Saints v Roos, our boys, uh, I guess not as much on the line as there was in, in that, that top of the table clash. But I mean, did you see any advantages or disadvantages either way for the lack of crowd? I mean, do, do you think it would have helped the dogs? I think it was their home, ga- home uh, game. Nah, it wouldn't have helped the dogs. Oh, look, it, it could have. They certainly came out flat, and I think they had some complacency after a 100-point win. But um, So from a personal point of view, I love watching the games without a crowd, and I wish they didn't pump in crowd noise because you can hear the players and hear what they're saying. I get why they do it because it's a product to appease the masses, um, and obviously ratings are huge at the moment. Uh, but I don't think it really advantages any teams. It, would, it should advantage a more experienced team over a young team because there should be more instruction given, you know, with the on-field coaches. So, you know, a team like Geelong with leaders all through the ground, mm, probably not against Collingwood, but say a young team like even North, we don't have too many vocal leaders. Like Cunnington's a great leader by example, but he doesn't say anything. They put the microphone in front of him. Yeah, so, you fair. know, we're just a young team. So I don't think it hurts them overly too much, but... Um, yeah, I think just being able to sort of get your point across and, and working on things like that, it's a glorified practice game in terms of the environment. Um, but the reality is there's four points on the line. Uh, well, yeah, because, yes, that, that, that's a good point, though, because I guess, yeah, you don't have that crowd as that, that X factor to sort of push you. So it, it, that voice that Melbourne had, that was self-motivated. So like you say, the, the loss they had to have, they probably really psyched themselves up after that one. They don't want to come out after a loss and and seem flat, and maybe, yeah, it's bizarre to say, you know, you're sort of thankful for a loss, but I'm with you. I think it's straightened them up, and you could definitely see that out there. Yeah, um, and I think for Collingwood, Geelong, North Melbourne and St Kilda fans, I think we're all glad we didn't have to go to those games <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> was it, yeah, it wasn't a great day weather-wise either, trudging uh, into the uh, Marvel for that one. I'm interested, actually, from a, a scheduling point of view. So we, we can say uh, hot off the press, actually. This is just in that uh, the AFL's rejigging the fixture as we speak, and they've moved around a few more games in the round we've got coming up. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But I, I just wanted your thoughts, I guess, on yeah the way the AFL is using the scheduling uh, advantage. So when I say advantage, I mean that we've got 
buy rounds at the moment, so teams having a rest. I mean, do you think that we should pile in and try and get games done, given that we don't know what's ahead in winter, or should we just keep it as it is and just move games around as we need? Um, I, I'm just thinking, yeah, we've got these buys, we've got that flexibility. Should we get games in now, push the flexibility to later in the year when we might need it even more? Yeah, well, I think if you can keep playing, you got to keep playing. Uh, so I think one of the issues was getting, because so many teams are based in Victoria and we're the state with the lockdown, um, you got to get them out. And New South Wales is the only state we're allowed to fly to. None of the other states will give us an exemption at the moment, I think. Uh, so Richmond are going to be able to get to Perth because they got out to Adelaide, uh, to Sydney last week. Um but all the other teams can only get as far north as, as New South Wales. So I I don't know about fixturing a, another festival of footy as we had last year with games every day. Um, I think it'll be something they look at if they get sort of hubs and teams in New South Wales. But they'd be giving up a lot of crowd numbers if they're playing. Like, Well, yeah, you saw, I mean, not that Hawks versus uh, Suns is going to draw a monster crowd or even Adelaide, uh, Richmond at the best of times. But, yeah, what wasn't exactly pack stands in those ones. No. So they, look, you've got to keep your season going. You've got to keep your momentum. Um, It's been going really well to this point in the year. Uh, I'd be trying to get every team out of Victoria and just, like, the stuff I'm hearing is this is... I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I think everyone's hearing these things around. I don't know what's true, but they're talking extension of this lockdown and who knows how long they'll they'll do it for. Yeah, if, so... Oh, sorry. You... I was just going to say, if they extend it and suddenly you've got to stop games, if you stop it for too long, teams are going to say, yep, well, we're not allowed to train together until, you know, three weeks' time. We're still going to need a week of training before we can... You know, it can just delay and, and push it right out so I think they'll be doing everything they can to just keep the ball rolling in that sense yeah so I guess yeah so I'm, I'm just interested because you know we've got what six teams sitting on the sidelines this week just you know I just think get get the games in get them sorted I mean I know obviously we've got to build towards September and there will come time for a break but I, I just feel like especially at the moment I mean it might ease as Victorian teams spend more time uh, interstate potentially, but um, yet we don't want to get to a situation where you know the the SCG can only handle so many games that uh, those Sydney grounds, given their uh, rugby caretakers, usually turn into fair sand pits after a few games. I know the Queensland ones kept it together, but the SCG and the showgrounds have sort of shown in the past that they're happy to get uh, sort of Moorabbin eighties esque if you let them go. So um, you know they they might not only be look two games a weekend tops, maybe even less. So I'm just thinking there's teams sitting back, cooling their heels. Let's get the games in. Let's get them done. I mean, yeah, it it might come to a point where it gets too close to that uh, end of season bye. But I'm just thinking at the moment, while things are swirling, it might might be worth just reconsidering um, just how you fixture that one. Um, And maybe there's just a weekend where there's just no footy. That could be the uh, the other thing, I think. it's a catch-22, but I just feel they're playing with fire a bit in, in giving teams rest when, you know, we've got an opportunity now where we can get some games in. But uh, that that's just me, I reckon. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just know it becomes hard because the agreement is to, to the players get their this buy. So this is the only buy they get. So they 
you can't sort of take a buy away here without adding one back in. So, look, I think the right thing to do is try and stick the status quo and stick with the fixture as scheduled, obviously moving the games around. But, um, like, it's tough. Like, they've... So, let's walk through the, the changes. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you've got the Melbourne-Brisbane game scheduled for Alice Springs has moved to Giants Stadium in New South Wales. Same date and time. Uh, Carlton, Richmond and the Dogs will all be training in New South Wales this week with Richmond flying to WA on Friday, Dogs flying to Perth on Saturday. Essendon stay in WA, so the Dreamtime match, that was previously reported, yeah, but that's that... going on at Optus Stadium. I can't wait for that. My boys out there in Perth, they will turn up, Tom. They'll turn up in <laughs> spades. Uh, like I know, I know some North fans out there who... They only get to go to one game a year. Because you, you won't play both Perth teams twice. And we played Freo and there's no crowd allowed next to a lockdown. So they're desperate to go they're to They're keen for a game, yeah. There and they go. get sick of the local teams. Because you go, like if you go to a Freo game or a West Coast game, they're just, you get some diehards and a biased crowd. It's not the same. Whereas to go to a spectacle like that, they'll show why maybe they should have, should have a grand final. Uh, Saints and Swans, that's been moved up to the SCG, same date and time. And obviously, a round 21 return match, that'll be played in Marvel with obviously ground, uh, obviously games back in Victoria permitting. Adelaide and Collingwood's an interesting one. We still don't have a venue for that. Does that yeah. concern you? Well, it, it concerns me because, uh, you know, in preparation for our betting segment, you know, you can't bet on this D's, Brisbane or Sydney Saints, but... Uh, Adelaide and Collingwood still free for betting, even though we don't know where the game is. So I don't know if uh, it'll be gone by the time this goes to air. But if you're a smart punter, load up on something there. But that that does concern me. I guess the question is, uh, that was meant to be at the Adelaide Oval, but I think because it's probably the Pies timing that they couldn't they get, get themselves in, yeah. in there. Um, ironically, so, ironically, this lockdown's been caused from someone coming from Adelaide and we now cannot get <laughs> into Adelaide, but I digress. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, so just by back on my point before, so, I mean, you've got the game on uh, at Giants Stadium on the Friday. Will that ground come up in time uh, for for that uh, Crows-Pies game? Because, you know, Swans are at the SCG. So unless they go real out, uh, out there with that one, I know the following week the Saints actually play the Crows in Cairns. So whether they just want to get Adelaide up there early, I think that might be a little disadvantage uh, for the Pies. But, uh, look, I'm thinking that game's at Giants Stadium, but it is crazy. I don't know yet. So I don't know if they're backing in the Giants Stadium to hold up, given that they haven't just backed it in for the next day. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, it's tough because I don't think Collingwood can get to Queensland. We can't get an exemption to fly in there. So yeah, so it's so so that it's one got to be somewhere in New South be, Wales. Yeah, so we, they should go and find a ground in like Wagga Wagga or something. Yeah, I mean Monica, I guess in in Canberra would be an option, but. Why not? It'll be chilly, what? so rug up for uh, for that one. But the, look, that's probably the option. That one ends up in Canberra, I reckon, uh, as oh. an early early crow, pun intended. Um, oh, yeah. Fifteenth play, sixteenth. Just give them two points, and we'll just call it. <laughs> Save <laughs> it. Like it no one will be watching. Uh, uh, and, then, and then, yeah, the I guess the SCG can hold up because on the Sunday, yeah, Blues and West Coast is at the SCG, so that that one's a goer. Um, that one's locked in. Um, Huge which, game, which, that. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. West Coast don't travel and the Blues desperately need a win. 
Um, but yeah, it's sort of crazy that the game on the Saturday can't be booked and the Sunday one hasn't. That's that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah. With, with yeah, the yeah. level of flexibility needed. So, um, look, we'll keep you updated on our socials on how, how that one goes. But uh, yeah, just the shortened round here with the six. But look, basically almost the entire round's been uh, rejigged. So it's it's... Look, shades of last year. The AFL, to to give them credit, I mean they've got plans in place to get get this sorted. And uh, you know, are we going to see the hubs back? Like you said before, are we going to see festivals of footy? Oh, I'm just sitting on a, on a, the edge of my seat waiting for that. Yeah, it's all a TBC. My as much as you, you might think a festival of footy will be great, Tom, it probably means a lockdown's been extended down here well, in Victoria. It, so correct. I'm uh, I'm hoping that was a one time thing. And maybe we bring it back for ratings purposes at some stage. Uh, but look, there's a lot to play out. That's, as they say, that's that's a day-by-day proposition. We don't know where we'll be tomorrow. Uh, I just, I think it's really important to keep the season going and just keep getting the games off. Um, as we get through the buys, you can probably play around with some of the timing and the fixturing of some of these games if you have to. Uh, but look, look. Like, what happens, yeah. we don't know. Um, you wouldn't say there was an asterisk on last year's premiers, would you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, no. We were so, at, at the semi-final spot, and I would have taken it if we'd saluted. Don't worry about that. Yeah, so this, the fact that this season's starting to be COVID-affected and games are moving and, and that sort of stuff, that doesn't change the validity of this premiership at all, does it? Well, look, I mean, we, we dare I say we're going to go uh, back on some old ground, but, you know, how fair is the AFL fixturing draw, whatever, you, the season in general? There are that many little oh, caveats that got? come through. How long have you got? This is just another one, and it's just mainstream because obviously everyone uh, is, is dealing with this pandemic. So um, it yep. look, doesn't change it for me. Um, I mean, if the Saints won it from here, it would feel very special, but that's probably not uh, COVID-related, <laughs> that one. But um, I, I think any team would take it. You tell a long-suffering D's fan that you're going to win it this year and they will take it and will bag them because it's just easy to pick on the D's. They've been through a lot. But if they did salute, it's still a flag. Yeah, they lift the cup. They get it engraved. It's it's fine yep. by me. They're, they're bloody hard to win. So no matter the circumstance, when you do win one, if everyone falls over like, Stephen Bradbury, you still take it and, and run to the hills. Um, question without notice, Tom. It, will it take the Saints being mathematically eliminated from the eight for you to stop saying you'll take a Saints premiership this year? Uh, yes, I think I think that's fair. Mathematics, oh. as oh. yeah. And I'm talking line through us mathematics. Like, I mean, if we have to win a game by 200, yes, I'll hold a candle that we might do that, uh, break a record there. That might yep. be a stretch. But no, look, oh, I'm going to keep saying that. Not unlike you would say the same about Simple Simon. So until, till we, uh, I mean, we've, how do we lock that one in? But you know, oh, they're I'm playing finals. They're playing Correct. finals, so I can't see him losing his position there. But uh, we are getting a bit of uh, social media feedback about uh, our, you know, you and me partaking in uh, hair shave bets. But uh, let, let's let the footy do the talking. I reckon. I think I might keep my locks. Uh, given that one, and I know no. people were saying the same about you. I mean, yours would grow back in two days, so maybe that's uh, yeah, the no, difference well, they'll probably us. You have to get a photo quickly. They'll grow back in about 10 <laughs> minutes. Uh, no, if the Ds win the flag, the whole thing goes off. Jeez. whole thing. 
You heard it here but, first. Jeez, maybe I will have to join you. I'll have a think, mate. I'll stay on that fence that I'm very comfortable on. That'll that'll be the day. The D's winning the flag. I, I'll really enjoy it because I think the D's fans deserve it, but won't be looking forward to the aftermath. Hopefully it'll be a nice warm day in, uh, in spring. True. Uh, now, Tom, I want to talk about a team that uh, I'm probably known for having a little bit of a bias against and not liking, <laughs> like one iota. You could uh, say I hate this team. Uh, and that is the Essendon Football Club, the Bombers. Now, they had an absolutely fantastic win on the weekend. They beat West Coast at home, which not many teams do. That is... It, 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 look, was, it, it, was, it was the best win that they've had since they won that final. I can't even remember how many years ago. It was another generation ago that they won that final. But um, that's What the final best, are you talking about? Like 2003 or four, whenever they won their last one. I mean, that, <laughs> that's their best win since that. Uh, name me a better win. I mean, they've won a couple of nice Anzac Day games and maybe a couple of upsets, um, you know, got to the finals and all of that. But th- this was this was as gritty. This is, I mean, we put them in the rebuilding. This was a, a win of an up-and-comer, really. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was. Um, they, they were the, most people didn't give them a chance. You'd think West Coast at home. Uh, there are a few little things that uh, just... Uh, look, West Coast picking uh, Yo to come back. Nat Nui's just not fit in general, so there was a little bit of an underdone factor which helped Essendon. Because he was straight in, he he didn't play twos either. He was straight he into did. the team. Oh, you no, did no, play Yo, twos. Yo played one game in the twos. I was going to say he, uh, you couldn't tell. It's a lot less than than most, but uh, yeah, he certainly needed to need a little bit more run. But that's not taking away anything from the Bombers. That just meant. Come the last quarter, they were going to have more run. Um, it was still well and truly. West Coast still could have won it if they were um, there and, and serious about it. Um, well, yeah, I mean that—that's what added to the win for the Bombers was that you know, in that sort of late second quarter and even midway through the third, they had a nice little handy lead, the Eagles, and this was just playing the script. But they just grit their teeth, and uh, I mean, yeah, we've seen them play that uh, that flashy style, but that this was sort of your, I mean. Ben Rutten was a, a, you know, he's called Truck for a reason. He was your classic lockdown, hard defender. This was the kind of win that a hard defender would enjoy. You know, gritting your teeth, getting your hands dirty and, and winning that contested ball. I mean, some of the numbers for, for the Bombers, I mean, West Coast just let them off the chain. You know, obviously, Merritt and Parrish, they know how to find the footy. Langford was finding it. McGrath, Heppel, Hind, Zaharakis even getting his hand on it. Guelphie, I mean, they're all producing big numbers. The Eagles just let them run riot and... You know, they kicked, the, you know, those goals interstate that you have to kick. They kicked them when they needed them. So, uh, celebrate that win, Bombers. That is a fantastic victory. We, I mean, we, I mean, we're here from plenty of Bombers fans, and I think they were calling the umps into question. But just sit back and enjoy the win. Don't, don't worry about that. You won the game. So, uh, my hat's off to the Bombers. I think you're going to get a nice juicy grade from me a little later in the uni section. Yeah, look. I couldn't agree more with, with your sentiments there on, on some of those players that stood up. I thought Langford was really good in patches I've seen, and I've seen a few highlights on uh, social media where just his work rate and second and third efforts were highlighted, and I highlighted against that of West Coast, which were just not there. Um, Stringer stood up. He played really well, kicked a key goal late. Yeah. Um, and I've obviously I've been critical of him over the journey. Uh, and look... Parrish is 
playing where he should have played all his career and is now flourishing. Uh, might be a most improved candidate later on, Tom, in our yeah, be a good one, actually. Yeah. US style awards. Uh, Zach Merritt better sign quickly. I don't know what he's waiting for. He said at the start of the year he's waiting to see what, just sort of waiting to see where everything sat. I couldn't think of many other teams you'd rather look. I couldn't think of anyone you'd rather go to. And if you're already there, you've got the lure of a one club player and everything on the up and up. Like it's all there. Um, so he, I'd be expecting him to sign. I think they are expecting him to sign. Um, I'm hearing they're asking a lot about Harry Mackay. Um, I want to ask yeah, you that, about that, later, Tom. Okay, I, I'll I, hold on that one. Pretty sure a few weeks ago I said they were into him big time. I think I threw around 1.3. Uh, but that'll be... Just just hold. Just hold on that, Tom. I'm going right. to ask that question. Uh, I've got one piece of advice for the Bombers. It's what they need to avoid. They need to avoid going the Carlton and St Kilda route and thinking, oh, geez, look at this. I still don't think they'll play finals, but I, I think they're going to sit somewhere between ninth and 12th now. It just depends, you know. They'll be up and down, and who knows what COVID throws at them. Because I know the club didn't handle the hub very well last year. Yeah. Uh, do Look, not I'm go a... out. They need to not go out and go and get players on eight, nine hundred thousand who are good, who will not put them over the edge. If they can find a key forward, certainly go out and get him. But not. They can't go. Oh, pick random. Gold Coast Sun or Giant who's looking to come back to Melbourne. Oh, we can pay him overs because we got the room and the cap and he'll just come in and we'll all keep improving. They just, I, if I were them, I'd be keeping all my draft picks, just trying to get more young kids in the door next year, or at the end of this year, seeing how we start building next year. And then, in, in theory, if you just get a few more young kids and start getting some more games in next year, you should start moving up. They just need a replacement for hooker. That's, that's no, the key look- thing. Perfectly put. I'm with you. I mean, that, that section of the ladder, basically 7 to maybe 10, is right for, you know, not judging where your list is. And, I mean, if you're in that 7 and 8, you think you're pushing top 4. That's sort of what we've done at St Kilda, unfortunately. Uh, you're in that 9 to 10, you're knocking on the door. little bit of top up here, and, and that'll be good. But, I mean, yeah, the thing is to just think about these youngsters that they're bringing through, and they are high quality. What's best for them? You know, if we're... Are we going to rush them into the finals and hurt the overall list and hurt the build? Obviously, you want to win games, but they've got to sort of think what's best for that that group coming through, um, and you know how they can time it as well. Given they've sort of got yeah, like Merritt, Parish, Langford, those kind of blokes, uh, McGrath uh, coming through as well. They're sort of a little bit older, so just managing that. Uh, I'm with you. The key forwards probably where you'd put your money, but they don't need another sort of Dylan Shield recruitment or or any sort of halfback or you know. No. Nah. No, work yeah, back there. 100%. Um, they should, if anything, use that cap space. Yeah, they've been talking about the cap space, say, from uh, Saad and Danaher. Use it to front-end guys like Merritt and Parrish and that sort of stuff to avoid. So in three years' time, when that contract's up, say, hey, look, we've front-ended you. We're not asking you to take less. We want to pay you fairly. But we also want to keep some room available to bring in... Um, a key forward, or you know, a complementary piece around around you to help you flourish. So, I think they've done a lot right. The Bombers, they just need to. This is very hard for them to hear. Cool your jets. You've done really well. <laughs> it was a great win. 
enjoy it. Don't worry about rubbing it in that you had a great win. You're still ninth. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, just cool your we, jets. We do cop it from Bombers fans, and we love it. Bring it on. Give us your worst, but uh, send it through the mailbag and the social media channels and comment on the Instagram posts. We love all of that. Uh, keep the personal messaging to a minimum. Uh, put it out there. Put your uh, neck out online. Um, Can they I play get... finals, Tom, before we move on? Can they play finals? Uh, this year, no. Uh, but, yeah, look out uh, in the next two to three. Uh, they are coming. I, I might, I've might. i probably upped them a category. I think they're up and coming now instead of rebuilding. Yeah, right. I If things go well for them, and again, when I did this research, the fixture had not changed. They've got a lot of games at home. That obviously might just go out the window, but they've got a better percentage than Richmond who are in the eight and they're only 0.2% behind seventh. The percentage is outstanding. They can play finals if things go their way this year. I don't think they will, but they can. <laughs> well um, said. I mean, this is this is a, this week, and we'll get to it in our betting segment. A little bit of an eight-pointer, really. I mean, this big Tigers v Bombers right on that edge of the eight. Yeah, Bombers win this, they go in. Simple as that. And it, once you're in at round 12, yeah. most of your, the time you're staying. Your position to lose, correct. Geez, we, we it's a roller coaster. We we pump them up. We tell them to cool the jets. The, the, it could all happen. Uh, give us uh, your thoughts, Bombers fans. I want to get into the mid-season awards, Seb. This is a segment we've run with last year. Obviously, the mid mid-season we we sort of picked uh, that given the the nature of the year. This year, it's smack bang middle of the season. Eleven rounds done. We've got our standard categories. We've got our MVP, Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, both American-style awards there. we got a Rising Star and a Most Improved. So, look, we, we've watched a lot of footy. We've taken in half a season, so these aren't sort of snap judgments. They're based on a fair, uh, I guess, sample size. Um, I'll, I'll hand it over to you if you like, Seb. Uh, we'll, we'll go through our awards first, and then uh, I, I know you're chomping at the bit to sort of compare it to what we said at the start of the year, uh, see how we're tracking. Well, let's we'll go through one by one. So yep. MVP, most valuable player. Uh, we don't have set criteria. These are our awards, so we're just going to pick <laughs> who we think. Correct. Uh, the start of the year, you had Marcus Bontempelli, who I think is a fine pick potentially at this stage. I had Nat Fife, who I would stick with if he could yeah. kick goals. Correct. Like, if he was bad. kicking goals, they'd win more games and suddenly he'd be going for that third round low that I tipped him into. Uh, so, it, it, what you're sticking with the bond? Are you jumping ship? I know you don't really like the dogs. So, no, no. Look, I love love the bond, and and I've loved his work. And with all due respect, he is one of the stars of the competition. But I bumped him for my most valuable player. Uh, this one might surprise a few. I'm I'm trying to with my awards not double up because you can always give two to the same guy uh, and trying to. Just think about the game as a whole, but my most valuable player at this halfway point of the year is actually Max Gorn from the Melbourne Football Club. He is that crucial to that football club. The way they're using him this year, getting him in the ruck, swapping with Luke Jackson so he can Maxie can jump down and take those contested grabs and help out the back line, give them a chop out. It chop out. It gives Lever and May that much license. It it's straightened the D's up. It is their structural card. I saw it firsthand round two when they played the Saints and I just watched Maxie. He's like, Oi Lukey, I'm going. He did it. I've watched him since 
it's just what he does. Teams haven't worked it out. They haven't made him accountable. He's doing it all year. Uh, his ruck numbers stack up with the best of them. Uh, he can add goals, uh, possessions, whatever you need. His on-field leadership's huge. Uh, and if he was to go down, the D's basically would all... They'll make finals, but their season would be in tatters if he was to go out for the year. So to me, he's the most valuable player in the comp at this point. I like it, Tom. I I agree with that, a lot of the things you said. Uh, <laughs> Always nice to hear that. I'm... Uh, I'm very torn. Uh, so, I've actually... So who do you have at the start of the year? I had Fife, Nat Fife. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, of course, yeah. Very respectable choice. Very good footballer. Got the yips, so he's out. He's not He's not my most valuable player now. <laughs> uh, if I were going the genuine NBA style here, you'd look for the best player on the best team. Doesn't quite work that way in football, team sport. Uh I flirted with Christian Salem. Ooh, there's one out of the, the books. That, not without its, his charms. Well, he missed that game they lost by a point. It's the only game he's missed. <laughs> That's he, fair. It was a big out. Not, not talked about name. enough, but I think his value is linking up with the rest of the team. You know, you got Lever down there. Um, he's doing a little bit of the half-back role, which is a lot easier than doing a half-forward role. Uh, so... I'll leave that. There's a kid over at Carlton named Sam Walsh who I think if he wasn't playing there, I don't know if they would have won a game, Tom. He's <laughs> that probably good. not wrong. Yeah. He is outstanding. Like In terms of valuable, he if he left that club, they'd be in absolute shambles and they're not far off it now. So uh I just I just think he's outstanding. Everything he does is how do I I'm actually speechless at how to describe just how good he is, Tom. Well, yeah. Look, I love him as well. I like this one. This is a youngster coming through, backing him in. I mean, he, he doesn't make mistakes. He, he's your footballer you want to watch because he runs end-to-end. He busts his absolute gut to get the footy. He gets a lot of footy. He does things that not a lot of his teammates do, so he stands out. Uh, and, yeah, just that youthful exuberance and his work rate. I mean, he is, I guess, a... A recruiter's dream because he loves the sport and he uh, he just from the outside looking in appears to just you know relish the training and relish getting better and he is getting better and to you he is the most yeah. valuable i like he, it he is so 30 disposals a game that's if if you don't mind <laughs> uh fifth in handballs he's 18th in clearances uh seventh in uncontested possessions seventh in, 17th in inside 50s uh Seventh in effective disposals a game, twelfth twelfth in goal assists, which is a little underrated one, but I, you know, no, that's, that's high. Ninth in stoppage clearances per game, so he's not necessarily the best at any of these things, but in terms of the best in the league, but he just floats for there and does it all for them, and it just works his backside off up and down the ground. Uh, he's just he's absolutely outstanding. Thirty three touches on the weekend. Like, yeah, well, and, and at his age, this probably won't be the only one of these that he wins. Um, I'm interested, coach of the year. Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, so, who who do you reckon you had? Oh, look, yeah, I wouldn't have said Bevo. Not saying the dogs wouldn't have said Simple Simon. I'll say I think I had Ken Hinckley. Maybe you did. For the you power, had yeah. Kenny Hinckley. So, don't know how you sit with that. I had uh, Justin Longmuir continuing <laughs> oh, the free man. Ambitious, ambitious. 
Yeah, I look. I backed them I in to make the eight, and yeah, there was a bit of a Frio. Well, it's continued all year. Your Frio uh, love, and I'm pretty sure you had them for about three or four of these awards. So it won't be the last time we hear from Frio tonight. Um, yeah, look, uh, no offence to Ken. I mean, he, I mean, he's probably under gone unders with power, given they're not in the top four at the moment. And um, I mean, Brisbane start sort of cost Chris Fagan. I know he straightened them up, and they're they're flying the lines. But I look, I can't look past our man, Simple Simon, to oh. go from where he was to where they are now. I mean, they've just dusted off the second team on the ladder. Every challenge they've had, they you know, they've they've gone. As I said when I was talking about Max and just the way their backline functions, they've they're just organized and that's not something I re- would ever say about Melbourne. They seem like an organized, well-run unit. So I I put that on the coach. I'm happy at the halfway point Simon Goodwin is coach of the year. Yep, there there you go. We're um is this the AFL mid-season awards or the Demons mid-season awards, Tom? <laughs> they might get a couple more before uh, I'm done. That's a little, you know, Kenny Hinckley's eight and three. It's a little harsh on on Kenny. They're not travelling terribly. No, no, uh, they're not. A little bit of flat track about them. Uh, so Justin Longmuir, unfortunately, sitting at eleventh, five and six, will not get my vote at this point of the year. Uh, I'm going Chris Fagan, though. You, you. You potted him, but they're sitting third. They're in the best form in the competition, I think. Their last six weeks have just been absolutely outstanding. Uh, and to rally off that start where they... But after the final siren of the first three games, they were behind. Yeah, correct. They kicked yeah. a goal late in the third to get them one and two. Then they lost to the Dogs down in Ballarat, which it's harsh sending a Queensland team to cold Ballarat. Bloody yeah, cold. They've just rallied and they're putting together a fine season. And, and I'd ex- I'd have them second favourite for the flag if I were doing the odds, just behind the Ds. So I just think what he's done there is just... It's just outstanding to watch. Um, he, they've gone from a basket case to a destination club in his four years there and, and he gets my vote for Coach of the Year. Ah, uh, look, I, I like that one. I mean, maybe I put a bit too much on that little start, but uh, look, they're the form team in the comp. I can't wait for them to play the D's. Look, yeah, they, they probably are in the best form of any team in the comp at the moment. So he he's got them humming along nicely, and just just worked uh, Joey Danaher into that team a treat. Um, offensive Brownlow medalist to come back for Brisbane too. Yeah, won't go astray. Look, they might uh, might change my mind by the end of the year, I think, the way they're going. Uh, offensive Player of the Year. So this is obviously based out of the American sports, but I like the way they do it because both ends of the ground get a look in. So uh, I'll jump in here on this one, Seb. So I had I had the big H from, from Carlton, but I'm spreading the love in my awards and I've got him in mind for one later on. So I've jumped to the next bloke in line. I'm going to give my offensive player of the halfway point to Tex Walker. So he oh. he was cooked. We said at the start of the year in our season preview, we did most extreme outcomes. And I think I had Tex kicking 30, uh, 40 actually. And then I'm like, I don't know if he'll kick even that many. I said 30. Well, he's basically done that by the halfway point of the year. He's won games off his own boot which you, that's just, for me, that's the pinnacle of a forward is to be able to win a game off your own boot. He's done it a couple of times against, uh, well, he's, he's done it against the Suns. He did it against Adelaide, really, with that goal late. And look, 
maybe he could have done it against the Hawks. Still can't believe they lost that one. Uh, he's been the man. He, he's kicking big bags. I mean, people were getting ahead of themselves saying he can kick the ton, but that's how well he was going. Second in the Coleman. He, he's marking everything. He had a little lull, but he's straightening back up. But he, he's my man. He is the offensive player of the year for me, Tex. He is a weapon for the Crows. Yeah, I, I like it, Tom. I like it so much. That's the exact same name I had written down. Oh, there uh, you go. I think uh, if he doesn't play extremely well, the Crows don't even look a chance to win. So, um, he, he, look, he's been that. He's been the offensive player of the year to this point. Uh, I don't think there's a better set shot for goal. And maybe it's a little bit aesthetically as well. It just looks beautiful off his boot. Like, yeah. Buddy's a really good set shot, but, you know, he runs out to the left, kicks it, there's a bit of angle. Whereas Tex is just a classic go back and slot it um, sort of forward. So... I couldn't go past him either. Um, just for the record, you had Tom Lynch at the start of the year. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, in for surgery uh, of late. Uh, probably probably not sitting the best. Uh, look, some might think I have a soft spot for him. Maybe I do. I, I just uh, Maybe I'm, I'm blinded. I keep thinking he's going to tear things to shreds, but maybe he's already peaked. Uh, the, I guess we'll see the, uh, the proof of that. But yeah, I was keen on him. Who did you have? Oh, I had Jeremy Cameron, who... If he had played for the first six rounds of the year, yeah, might be yeah. up there. He is looking dangerous and could overtake the big Texan, but uh, based on body of work for the first 11 weeks, uh, the Tex for me. Uh, defensive player of the year, Tom. We'll go down the other end. We'll recognise those defenders who, geez, they work hard but get nothing. Um, love the Golden Fist. Love Correct. that, love that award. You and I have played some great footy down in defence, so we know what it's all about down that end. We've seen a lot of goals go over our heads. We've yeah. set up Sunburn probably not next. as many rebound 50s. But, look, I'll give you this one, just uh, given I, uh, I I jumped in on yours before. Who do you like uh, as Defensive Player of the Year? So, you had Tom Stewart to start the year. Respectable choice, playing quite well. Uh, I had Luke Ryan from Freo. Not bad as well. Another bloke in purple. At round 11. After round 11, I have Luke Ryan from Fremantle. You've, you've locked him in. You, I'll, you're I'll him. stick with him. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, he's look, He missed a couple of games, and Freo's defense looked absolutely shot while he was out. Um, he's first in rebound 50s a game, uh, ranked uh, and 13 in intercepts per game. So he's doing both of those at an elite level. Uh, and... Oh, look, he's a he's a uh, he's a cliche. I just love the way he goes about it, Tom. Yeah, can't, you can't top that, can you? No, no, not at all. So look, it's a little bit harder to split the defenders because some of them they just run around with no man. Like Darcy Moore does some great things, but really he'd be almost one of the worst defensive players in the game. He is an offensive player who starts in the back half, so. Like, didn't get a look in yeah. here. I'm just using it as an example of someone who has no regard for actually defending and just tries to go and get the ball, which is a that's a genuine, uh, like a Rovers wingman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> looks, looks at his opponent. Yeah, no, I won't be seeing you again today. I'm off to get the footy. <laughs> we know a few of those. Now, look, that that's fair. You might actually think uh, my bloke is in, in that category for uh, defensive. So I've jumped on another D, loving their work. 
Uh, could have had Stephen May in this one, but I actually think his partner in crime, uh, Jake Lever, has been the best Ooh. defensive player this year. Uh, hear me out on this one. So you did mention offensively minded. Well, he is, and he really, I guess, seems to have a man, but it's actually, I just think, his football intelligence. So he is the, the quarterback. He is the one running that back line. Things happen down there because of the work he does. I mentioned, yeah, Maxi and his communication. Well, who's he communicating with down there? Lever. He does it all. Uh, he, he calls the shots. He, he just doesn't stop yapping the whole game about where players should be and what they should be doing. And it means he can play his natural game, which is intercept marking. He, he gets Stephen May in the great positions. I mean, you mentioned Christian Salem. He wouldn't be able to do what he does without Lever. Um, yeah, he, he is the general back there. And it, it's just showing... Yeah, I mentioned before Melbourne being organised. Well, he is the on-field organizer so i'm being really impressed with his work he's marking everything that comes his way i mean tomlinson goes out petty comes in you don't know because lever's calling the shots Stephen may missed a game didn't matter but if lever goes i think the d struggle down there so he's my man for defensive player of the year do you want an interesting little jake lever stat yeah, hit me. Hopefully, this will back up what I've just said, or is it uh, neither? The way? It's um, he's second in the competition for time, average time on ground with ninety nine point one eight percent of the time he's still on the field. Well, that's usually a funny one because usually, uh, you know, if you look at the All Australian defenders, their num their minutes on the ground are extremely high because the team can't do without them. They need them out there permanently, basically. So, I take that as a good sign. Yeah, and I think most of these guys at the top of that list are defenders. Lockie Henderson, Alex Keith, Lear Lear, Harris Andrews, Ben McKay, and the others are key forwards, Tom Hawkins, Jack Darling. So the the stability at either end. That's why we've given these offensive and defensive. These are the blokes. The midfielders get their look in, but uh, it's at either end that straightens the team up, I reckon. That's it. That's it. So we've got two two more to go, Tom. Yeah. what do you want? you want? Rising star? Rising star. The, so, rookie of the year, sorry. American style. Yeah, rookie of the year. So I think off the top I might have... Do I have Matty Rowell in this category? No, you had Logan McDonald. Wolverine. Logan McDonald. Oh, no, nah, don't mind that. Lo- loved his form early. I think they've put him in a little bit of cotton wool or he's had a few little niggles of late. Hasn't been able to get there. Uh, who did you... You had Tom Powell in there, didn't you? I did. Tommy Powell. Nothing wrong best. with that. He just needs a nomination. Oh, he'll, he'll get one. His body of work's been just as good as Nick Cox, but they just don't carry on about him like they do Nick Cox. Well, can I jump in with Nick Cox? I was tossing up between him and uh, Errol Goulden, but I'm going to go with the big fella, we, we, the unicorn. Nick Cox, he's my rising star so far. Again, he hasn't been nominated for that award as yet, but that'll come. Um, just loving what he's doing. I mean, he yeah, 200-centimetre wingman. Uh, it's good below his knees and good in the air. It, it is a rare, rare case. And, yeah, he, he's stringing together a good year. Is he consistent? No, but are we expecting that? No. Can he do what he needs to do uh, for his team? Yes. So I've loved his work. He, he's just developing nicely. I think he might give that a water shake. Um, your boy, Tom Power, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, he's been a good accumulator, but I, I, I go with the big the big key position types and to find one on a wing is is surprising so yeah nick cox for me yeah no look don't mind it he is certainly having a a very good year uh like you said i went with tom powell i will stick with tom powell i'll stick stick with my initial pick uh just you just want to compare them um he's averaging more kicks 
more handballs, therefore more disposals. Uh, 0.6 marks per game less. They're around the same goals and behinds. Nick Cox slightly ahead. Uh, he's averaging one more tackle. Uh, Nick Cox averaging more hitouts, but that's to be expected. <laughs> you might, might give him that one. Uh, one more inside 50 to Tommy Powell. More goal assists to Tommy Powell. Nick Cox is averaging zero goal assists, so I don't think he's given any any off. Uh, more contest. This is more. This is for Tommy Powell. More contested possessions, uncontested, effective disposals, disposal efficiency for Nick Cox, although more clangers. Uh, their numbers are pretty even. Just looking at this, uh, but I'll stick with Tommy Powell. I love what he's doing in there. Um, he's learning from Ben Cunningham, and his hands are just absolutely unbelievable for a young. Uh, we've just turned 19. Uh, if you're going to learn, that is a quality source, Ben 10. Um, yeah, oh, look, I, I don't mind it. He, he's, he's, I mean, these are the two you would have to say at the moment, maybe throwing in. I mean, the Sydney boys almost are cancelling each other out um, given their work. But look, unbelievable year for, for the rookies coming through. But we'll, we'll see These two just out. need a nomination. Correct. Been, and then they've got they've one been hand on it. Uberly consistent without having games where they've done. Amazing things, but I, I, I can't think of too many that are, are right up there with them. Um, Tom Green from the Giants is the out and out favourite. Lockie Scholl from Adelaide's going well. Yeah, I don't uh, mind the work of uh, Chad Warner from Sydney. He, he has done some good things in a couple of games I've seen. And uh, yeah, Golden like I mentioned, and um, I mean yeah, Logan McDonald. He he's another that needs a uh, a nomination if he can crack into that Sydney team. They're going that well at the moment. Yeah, oh. yeah. So look, there's some names there, but I think I've just watched these two a fair bit. And Cox, look, Cox gets a lot of attention. He's, as you said, a bit of a unicorn, and he's just got a rude haircut that you just can't not see him on the field. But you, <laughs> you know, do know he's out there. He's got presence. He's easy to spot. I've watched a lot of Tom Powell and just been so impressed in a terrible side to be standing up so well at 18, 19 years of age. Um, he's effectively why I've got him there and, and call me biased. I'm happy to live with that. Um, uh, good good uh, to get your team in there. Unfortunately, I couldn't sneak the Saints in for any awards at this point, so I'll, I'll live with that. There's a couple that I've got in mind for our next award. This is most improved. So um, You're going to stick with Orazio? Jeez, that was an ambitious one, was it? Look, he hasn't been bad. I don't think he's necessarily improved, though. He's probably done what was expected, so... Went went a little ambitious with that one. Loved the form of his uh, teammate Alia Alia. He'd definitely be in this conversation. I've got to give a shout out, to, and I hope I'm not pinching any of yours here, Seb. Give a shout out to big uh, Tom Hickey. He's been um, awesome. And Ben Keys actually, from uh, the Crows. He, he's sitting like up, up top 10 sort of turf in uh, disposals in the comp. He's been huge. But I'm going to give it to the big boy from Carlton, Harry Mackay. He is my most improved and you'll be like oh well, we sort of rated him but he, he's gone from genuine yeah he, he might put it together to a Coleman medal leader at the halfway point of the year I, I think we thought he, he kicked some goals but not to be number one in the comp so he's taken his game to another level I mean he's gone from sort of your twos maybe threes now he's kicking five sixes and you know, potentially more than that in this back half of the year. So, yeah, we mentioned Sam Walsh is carrying Carlton. Well, between Walsh and Mackay, they have genuinely the two pillars holding up that club at the moment. So I've loved the work of Big Harry. Yeah, thought, yeah, he could put together a solid season. Probably thought he wouldn't even kick this many goals in the whole year, and he's done it in half a season. So 
he he skyrocketed for me. He's most improved. Yeah, I think he's a very valid choice, Tom. He's uh, he's having an outstanding year. He's turning some of that potential we've seen into actual performance, which a lot of guys have had potential over the years, but have they really converted it into what we believe they can be? Because we love pumping them up. We love pumping them up, but it's sometimes they get pumped up too much. It's very hard. So, uh, Arazio, not so much. I selected Jai Caldwell, who looked great after round one, but I don't think he's played since. Yeah, you probably were sitting on an all right one there. He, he Round one, he, he looks some sort of goods, but yeah. Yeah, so... Slipped off. I had a real toss-up here, um, and I'll mention my runner-up was Darcy Parrish, who is showing yeah, that's... why the Bombers picked him at pick three. Um, I think there was a little bit of a question mark. He's a smaller mid and just sort of played that high half-forward role. Um more so because he couldn't quite, not couldn't get into the team, but wasn't put through the rotation. And just by sheer weight of injuries, they were forced to throw him in there. And he's just excelled. Um, I'm just going to go a little bit outside the Victorian bubble. I've already complimented the Bombers fans, so don't be too mad. He's second. Uh, Took Miller up for yes, the Gold Coast is, Suns. Yep, so just, he's averaging 29.8 disposals up from 20 last year. He's averaging another... These six and a half tackles versus five last year. Uh, he's just all round lifted his game, taking it to another level, and they're just going under the radar. The Suns at the moment, so like as they often do, and just... they probably will for most of the rest of our lifetime. To be perfectly honest, uh, but no, nah, look, I mean, he's already had more inside fifties this year than last in just under half the games, like. There are just so many. Oh, oh, he's really, really taken that next step. And like like I said last week, he was playing for a Victorian club. There'd be a lot of talk about him. So he's getting the most improved from me, Tom. No, I, I like it because it's about time he got some air time. I know, you know, you sort of had players leaving, but he, he was one of a group of sons that sat down and they were like, look, we're, we're tired of this. We're building something. Yes, we're still watching it unfold and whether it unfolds as they plan, but he's crucial to their their current side. And I think I saw a stat actually that he and he's had five thirty possession games in a row, and he's the first son to do that since Gary Ablett. So you're in some fair company when you join Gaza for anything. So he he's flying. I like it. Most improved. That's a good one. Good good round. I reckon that we're interested in your thoughts, listeners. If uh, you disagree with us. Uh, look, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where we're sitting after that, Seb. Yep, yep. You'll just have to start watching teams other than Melbourne, Tom. <laughs> look, they have... Well, they've shocked me. I, I, I thought the Ds could go well, maybe, yeah. top. I don't I think on my uh, ladder, which we might get into next, I don't think I had them too high. They, they have surprised me, the Ds, and for some reason I've seen a lot of them. I, I know you mentioned you have your particular teams apart from your own that you see a lot of. Seen a lot of the Ds, so I like their work. No, I agree, Tom. Uh, here we are, university grades. These are probably the most sought after of our segments in, in our small but tight-knit community. Uh, let's jump right into it. Keep in mind, the Saints are not being graded this week due to a two-week suspension. They will be available for grading next week, Tom. Is that right? Yeah, correct. I'll, I'll get back into it uh, this week and... Geez, we travel up to Sydney. We'll get to that. Top of the table clash, 1v2. We love it when good teams play off. D 
D's, dogs, who do you like in that one for a grade? Uh, pretty pretty straightforward to me, Tom. High distinction for the D's. Dogs sitting at 9-1. and one. They come in, they handle them. It looked like a top eight side playing a, a bottom eight side, didn't it? They just yeah, ha- it did, yeah. just handled them like uh, the dog's little little brother who wouldn't go away. Uh, those those ninety three babies, Tom. They just they just annoy <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Uh, and so I have to fail the dogs on that basis. They look didn't play well. They weren't embarrassed by any stretch, but you know when you're looking at them for a team that you think might win the flag, and then they just when things don't go their way, they crumble. The dogs so. Uh, that's a fail and you know if, if the D's kicked away like it looked like they might have it would have been a, a coordinated job for the team that was first on the ladder coming into the round no I like it I'm happy to sit with that yeah HD for the D's unbelievable um, got a good question for you about them later that I want to get into but yeah look maybe the the Saints played the dogs out of form I know that makes no sense and why am I mentioning the Saints but I mean they came why in the dogs you? with a head full of steam and they just let us down. It, yeah, Melbourne brought brought the energy. We've spoken about it. Let's move on from this. But it's a fail for the Dogs and a HD for the uh, Ds. Look, I, with our next game, Collingwood v Geelong, I was, I'm that close to failing them both for what they did to the great game of AFL. This game was an absolute disgrace. Six goals, 15. Eight goals, 13. No one watched it. And thank goodness no one watched it because it was a shocker. Only one for Cats fans. Um, look, I'm not going to fail them both because that's harsh. I just didn't like what they produced. It was as colourful as their colours are in terms of the excitement it drew. Black and white, the navy and white, it just had nothing. Uh, I'm, look, I'm going around in circles. It's passes for both and move on. Yeah, so just we could probably have this conversation off the podcast, but let's do it on. Uh, you've got to stop trying to fail teams when they win games. Like, it's really hard to buy. <laughs> Like winning, even if you win by a point, that's like the bare minimum, like a pass at uni. Uh, but I digress. I'll give the Cats a pass on that exact basis. They got the job done against a side that was 17th, I think, coming into the game. Uh, Collingwood can go and see the coordinator for not trying to kick a goal for the first three quarters. It was deplorable. Like I, I plan to actively avoid the Collingwood games for the rest of the year. Um, they can jump, ship off and see the coordinator. Uh Brisbane played the Giants, Tom. Up at the Gabba, coming a real fortress up there, the Gabba uh, what, what, what do you What do you see? What do you think? How do you grade these two? Well, yeah, I oh, absolutely love what uh, the Lions are doing. Um, they are, the like I said before, they are the form team of the comp. They are the they, almost the team to beat. Still love what the Ds are doing, but... Uh, yeah, they're the team at the moment that are just playing the best footy. And I mean, the Giants came in, you know, stuck their nose into the eight, sitting pretty, pretty comfortably in that one. And the and the Lions have just gone bang and just dealt them a nice little Saturday afternoon ten goal drubbing. You know, Mitch Robertson kicks four. Lincoln McCarthy. I mean, what they've done with his hamstring is is nothing short of a miracle. Um, and they're doing it all. You know, I mean, if you looked at the numbers, Taranto, Ward, Hopper, Whitfield were all in that top sort of six or seven possession getters. It, it just didn't matter. They're just playing smarter footy, the Lions, and it was a four-quarter performance. So I loved it that much. They're a distinction for me, and look, I was disappointed in the Giants. You've got to be better than that. Even on enemy turf, you, I'm not accepting that they can get done by 10 goals. I know they're young, but they're, uh, they're better than that. So... 
Uh, fail for the Giants. Distinction for the Lions. Uh, yeah, well summed up, Tom. I'm giving the Lions a high distinction because the Giants have been in great form coming into that and they just absolutely blitzed them. 19 goals, 15. That's 34 scoring shots. Um, they are victims of being a little bit wayward when it comes to kicking for goal. If they really got hold of them, they could have beat the Giants by, what was it, 64? It could have been 84-94. Uh, I'm giving them a HD because they sort of announced we're here, we're sticking around, we're, we're going for the flag. I'll give the Giants a fail. Um, they were sort of due for a down week. They've got a long, lot of young players in that side who uh, are just... They've had a good sort of good run at it, and they were sort of due for a down week, um, a little bit further down than what was required for a pass. But you know, like it was four goals one at half time. You know, if they're not kicking straight, they could have easily been one goal four, and and really struggling. Um, so, a fail for the for the Giants. Uh, game of the round, would you say the Saints and the Ruse at Marvel? Well, for us, I mean, it, yeah, look, in, in future coverage of this game, you know, we'll obviously get to go and we can do our own uh, 12 rows back segment at the game. Wasn't possible this year. Um, I know you mentioned before, what, what do you, you know, can I fail teams that win? This is probably exhibit A on failing a team that won. Uh, even though I'm not giving the Saints a grade, I might have shown my cards there. Um, this, this wasn't one for... <laughs> I bagged the cats and pies... This one wasn't great either. This was a comedy of errors. It was just who could make the least errors, really. I know your boys ventured into the corridor way more than they should have. We sort of worked it out, but we didn't take full advantage. I mean, we desperately need percentage, and, and to, to give up those late goals hurts. But, look, we're only a game out of the eight. Uh, but we're not grading the Saints, so don't worry about that. Uh, your Roo boys, look, apart from, yeah, a, a few risky kicks through the corridor, look, I, I thought you'd... you'd Working away into the game, and I mean, I've heard some Roos fans say if there was a fifth quarter, you would have won. I probably agree with that. You're in flying form coming home late. Um, I'm on your wagon about Jack Zeeble. Uh, you know, he, I noticed him when he drifted forward and, and kicked a couple of goals. Obviously, that grabs the eye, but I did see him get outmarked by Josh Battle more than once, so that wasn't great. Um, in saying that, I mean, it, it was a plucky performance from a young group, so I, I'm not going to pot you there. Probably want to get more ball. I mean, Simpkin had got a lot of ball. Davies Uniac, I mean, he is a star. I'm fully on board with you there. Ben Tan always kills the Saints, and he did it again. Uh, Aaron Hall just racked up ball, which I think a few teams are happy to do. Uh, and, and, you know, our boy Powley up there with the possession. So, look, you're a pass for me. I was happy with what I saw out of the ruse. I'll, I'll pass. You'll give us a pass. I, I'd still fail us because we were pretty woeful till halftime. Um, and, yeah, this is not a game of football that they'll save in the archives, I don't think, Tom. I think I'll just nope. let <laughs> just this one go. It's not an example of our game and just uh, move on. And, yeah, Saints suspended. So I won't be making comment about a suspended club in our rankings, Tom. Well said. Uh, <laughs> moving up to the the move match. So this one was meant to be up in Darwin. Moved down to Sydney. Gold Coast versus Hawthorne. Uh, love the form of uh, Isaac Rankin in this one. He, he got on the end of a few. Ran from about eight deep to get a free kick in the first quarter to kick his third. Uh, I mean, our boy Tuke, he had 37. Absolutely on fire. Ben King is a genuine Coleman chance. And if you can get a chance to 
call his brother and just tell him about his goal kicking or just even call him so he can leech some of his confidence. He is up and about. Um, want to yeah, check they... with the Saints before you do that, Tom. I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not too bad. I'm sure there's a question about that coming up later. Um, look, forgettable night for the Hawks. It, look, it, it's really all about the Suns here. I think the Hawks are just going through the motions and that's what we saw here. So, I mean... A distinction for the Suns, really like their work, fail for the Hawks. Yep, I'm happy to stick with those grades and I can uh, can gotta categorically say I didn't watch a second of this game or any highlights. Uh, it didn't register on my radar, Gold Coast playing Hawthorne in Sydney. Just Well, yeah, look, it uh, drifted on after the Saints game for me given that it was on Channel 7, so could just, just caught the... Uh, the caught uh, this game through that, but um, yeah, probably not one again for the highlights reel. One that was and that we've already covered was over in Perth, West Coast versus Essendon. What did you make of this? Briefly? Yeah, so I had I had one eye on this. I wasn't watching actively, but did flick on for the last quarter when it was on for young and old. And uh, I've already said nice things. The Bombers were outstanding. High distinction. High distinction, Bombers. Uh, dare I say it, full marks. Dare yeah, I no. say it. I think... Uh, <laughs> I, I just... Uh, look... You couldn't have been more impressed. That was a game where I think I gave them no chance in in hell to to win that game, to be perfectly honest. And uh, West Coast should have absolutely mopped them up. So just to give you a sliding doors moment, West Coast win that and mop them up with some percentage. They would be sixth and sitting at seven and four, whereas now they're six and five. Got to play Carlton in Sydney. We know they don't like to travel. Um, they could potentially... Look, they dropped to Carlton, Richmond, uh, Essendon beat Richmond. Essendon can jump up to seventh. Like it was a real, yeah, just if they win that game, it just keeps Essendon flat out of sort of the hunt. But they just couldn't do it at home. Um, questions will be asked to the selection committee playing under Dun Elliott. Yo, uh, they can go and see the coordinator West Coast if that's what they want to dish up um, at home. That's they're supposed to get 10, 10 wins out of eleven home games. Um, and then they just have to bank three others to get 13 and, what, 13 and nine? And that should be enough to play a final. Bank four, you get to 14 wins. Um, they didn't do it, and that's... If they have to travel from Perth more than what they've expected, that, that's going to make it tough for them to to play finals. And if they play away and travel, do you really think they're going to win that final? I don't. Couldn't have said it better. I'm, I'm with you. HD for the Bombers, they were huge. And yeah, West Coast off the coordinator. I mean, we, we sit here and we just talk as if West Coast win all of their games at home. So when a West Coast side doesn't win games at home, there are that many questions coming. Um, and yeah, I mean, they could have sewn up almost a spot in the eight now. I mean, there's there's plenty of teams, even their uh, crosstown rival nipping at the heels in that uh, nine mm. to sort of 11 range. You don't want to give those teams a sniff. They've got something to play for if there's a spot in the eight up for grabs. So it was a disastrous night for the Eagles. Uh, they're off to the coordinator. Yep, yep. I um, Yeah, there's a couple couple at the coordinator. One all, do the Is Saints he... have to see the coordinator on their way back into the university? Like, oh, hey, I'm back sort of thing. I think there's there's homework to do when you're you know you're you're suspended. You still got to give give still something back just job. to show yeah. you're not having a full holiday. So they're they're busy. It is a full shift for the coordinator this week. Who did you like in? Uh, what do you like for Richmond and Adelaide? Uh, the game played at the SCG. Oh no, yeah. sorry, Giant Stadium in the end. Yeah. So Adelaide look performed pretty well. 
um, on the back of Tex, just doing Tex things, kick four goals, three. Uh, I have to give both teams a pass. Like, yeah. Do you up Richmond's grade because they played away from home and they really hate doing that? They're like a spoiled brat when it comes to it. Or do you mark them down for being complete sooks and just call it what it is? You beat a real average side, you just get a pass. I, I, I think, I it's think the I'd prefer the latter. I yep. think any time you sort of give them anything for that uh, that privilege that they've shown shows the privilege. So, um, yeah, that they, they sooked it up. They got the job done here. They were jumped early, so credit to the Crows. They jumped out of the blocks, just ran out of legs as a young team does. Fought back in the last, but, um, yeah, look, this game probably, if you saw the score at the end, you'd be like, oh, that, that probably panned out as we expected. So it's passes all round. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Richmond on a little bit of notice. Maybe getting out of it because there's a busy week for the coordinator. Sydney versus Carlton. So <laughs> a real chance for the Blues. Again, they get these statement games and, a, and an opportunity where they can sort of show what they're made of. And I mean, basically it was lead changes. And, and if you sort of looked at the scoreworm, it's up and down basically until Sydney just kicked away in the last quarter. And kicking away is what good teams do. So Sydney did it, Carlton didn't. Don't uh, I don't? These are the games that we keep saying the Blues are a show. We keep thinking they're going to do it. They just don't. I know we sink the the boots into the Blues because they're very vocal fans. But this is the kind of game you should win. Uh, it look Sydney did what they had to do. Loving the form of Buddy, uh, he is going to get very close to that thousand maybe this year. But in his current state, I think we will be running on the ground. Uh, Papley, I mean, he, he continually haunts the Blues. Three goals there. You take him out and add them to the Blues. That's a six-goal turnaround with one player and one first-round pick. Uh, Big Harry kicked three goals, five. Probably could have straightened up a dash. Uh, I'm going to fail the Blues and pass Sydney, Seb. Yeah, that's well summed up, Tom. I'm going to pass them both. This is what we expect from Carlton. This is what we expect. They come out, they play well, they don't get the win. Uh, I'm not going to go into Carlton too much anymore. They're just becoming irrelevant, so don't need to sink the boots in. We'll just just leave it as that double pass for me, Tom. Uh, there was a late game Sunday. Uh, the timing of this was pushed back ever so slightly, but still played in Adelaide. Uh, Port Power jumped the f- Dockers. Uh, Frio Bad kicking's bad football, and that really sums yeah, up. Yeah, zero seven to seven five at yeah, quarter time. They wouldn't have been in front. Game. Wouldn't have been in front or anything like that. But if you kick instead of zero seven three four, you're only down by four goals, and it's a manageable situation. Whereas that just just wasn't. Uh, and Port just did what Port do. They flexed playing a, a team outside the eight at home. Um, the Porter really becoming the new West Coast, given West Coast now don't win at home. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, Porter doing it against lesser sides. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see what happens to Port back half of the year. So they got a buy, uh, and this is we'll go off the schedule. Then they've got the Cats at home. Interesting. They got to go up to play the Suns on the Gold Coast. Uh, Sydney at home, Hawthorne in Melbourne, uh, Melbourne in Adelaide. It's getting a bit tricky. Saints in Melbourne. Uh, Collingwood at Adelaide. You'd think they'd win most of those games or at least start favourites. So they should be able to turn 8-3 and three into sort of a 12-5, and 13-6 sort of thing. And that, that's, a, that's a good platform. But they haven't had any really quality wins of power. So 
Um, look, I'm giving yeah, the power of pass and, and Frio a fail to sum that up, but I'm just I'm looking for a bit more from the power, and I'm just not getting it week on week. No, I, I feel, I'm fully with you. If you if you sort of had to say their statement win of the year, I mean, do they have one? I mean, maybe when they beat Richmond earlier in the year, but that's kind of looked worse as the year's gone on. Yeah, you know, they need a, a top four scalp really in the position they're in. Um, sitting fifth, obviously, a top four win would be huge, but it's. You know, they're they're in all the teams want to. Every team in the comp wants to beat the teams in and around them on the ladder, and the power aren't doing that. That's why they're sitting fit. So, um, yeah, I like it. Uh, pass and, and fail. Frio, yeah, you can't pass that because we we've got them to a higher standard than sort of getting done by eight goals, even if it is away. So, uh, I'm happy with that. Let's get into rapid fire. This has been a supercharged show, but I, I love this section, the rapid fire. We this is where we, we get broad and we, we come up with a few new angles. So I'll I'll give you the uh, the new ball, Seb. What it what have you got for me? All right, I've got a few. I've, I'm I'm going in your to use a cricketing term. They'll be in the slot for you, so you'll really <laughs> nice. be able to nail these. Um, are the Saints going to use all four picks in the mid-season draft? And if not, what are they doing with four list spots open at the moment, Tom? Yeah, good, good question. So, I mean, we've we've changed our uh, tune on this. Last week, we were only going to take one. Uh, hot off the press today, we've said we're going to use all four. So, uh, we we've got a couple of extras. We sort of lost uh, Jay Gresham, uh, Dylan Robertson retired. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ben Patton as well as a broken leg. We got one there, and then we just had a spot. So, um, yeah, so we weren't good. Can I ask a question? You guys trained down at Moorabbin, right? Correct. Is the front office still down at Seaford? Like, do they talk to the football people, or do we just send different <laughs> messages out each week? Because your yeah, coach comes out and says, no, you, it was your CEO said, oh, these players have been playing really well in Bytel and... And then your coach comes out and says, we're going to swing the axe, and he picks those two. So there's a real mixed message coming out of Moorabbin. Um, True. I mean, the They've loaded up at the has... start of the year, and now you've got four picks available. Like, what's the... You, you need someone there driving the train. Yeah, look, look, it does seem like that. The out for the, you know, the axe, I mean, I, w- I was fully in agreement, so I thought that was a, a dull way to swing the axe. I mean, to cut a couple of youngsters, Loney not so much, but uh, Bytel, he, he's a youngster. Um, I mean, we might not be the only club in this position, only had 28 players to pick from, so he couldn't sort of wield the axe as much as he wanted to. And dare I say, we just needed a win, so I don't think we wanted too much quality heading out. Um, you know, we got a chance for a win against your boys and you, you had to put our best side out there. So, look, maybe the axe will come. I think behind closed doors they would have ripped a few players and sort of read them the riot act, but uh, externally it didn't look that way. Um, but, yeah, look, our, well, our facilities are fine up there in, uh, in Moorabba. But, yeah, look, we'll be investing in... Yeah, it does seem strange. I mean, we've got McKernan, Wood, Frawley, and then three or four picks in the <laughs> mid-season draft. I think we've we cashed out our... Uh, our, our chips getting uh, sort of Hill and and all those trades last year, Dougal, Jones, uh, Butler, Crouch, you know, we, at Higgins as well. Um, we've just used a lot of our high draft picks for that and haven't really invested in the back end of the draft, a la or Hawthorne. Um, uh, maybe in this mid-season draft, we're trying to sort of snaffle a few players. Like, I think uh, your boys will be interested in Jake Edwards at number one, who probably could have been drafted, but uh, just held and 
and now he's in the mid-season draft. So I'm hoping... No, he, he get... didn't get drafted because Sorry, yeah, you're no right, one you're had right. seen him play. So it's Correct. like we get an extra draft pick. It's brilliant. Yeah, so that's hopefully what the club, the Saints have thought they were going to do. But uh, it's that's good uh, business from your club to uh, swoop on a pick like that. My actual question that I had for you, which uh, is on this topic, is what is your care factor of the mid-season draft? Uh, Out well, of 10. We have big one. So yeah. it went up to about an eight when that happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been watching uh, I've been watching to see whether this kid nominated for it because there's talk. If you nominate for this, you only get the contract for the rest of the year and then if they don't resign you, you're, you're out. Whereas if you go in the... Um, the national draft at the end of the year, you've got a guaranteed two or three year deal, whatever it is. But I'm I'm really glad, like he's made the call. He'll come in. The, we we've got plenty of injuries as well, Tom. And just for the record, we're having a terrible year, but we've got more games missed to our starting twenty two than any other team in the comp. So um, <laughs> it just hasn't hurt so much because there's not as much quality through the list. Um, but there'll be a chance for him to get games through the back half of the year. And like I think I said in an earlier podcast, you can sell to him, we're not using a draft pick to bring you in, but you're coming in with lots of other kids in your age bracket. So um, it's actually helping us in the sense of we don't have to give up as much capital to bring you in. So um, care factor on that sense is high. What it was actually brought in for, the mid-season draft, was to top up for teams who, like the Saints, let's say um, Ryder did retire or did say I'm, I'm out for this year and... Um, Rowan Marshall's out your chance to bring in a Ruckman that's what it was for not to cherry pick kids who didn't play because of COVID last year it's sort of what it's turned into and it's sort of no one's fault but um, I just don't I don't think we need a draft for this I just think you should be able to bring players in if they're available and playing hey we want to bring you into a sign a contract like why you'd be mad not to like um, Nathan Freeman's averaging 40 touches in the yeah. VFL Correct. Why does he have to wait till round 11, in between round 11 and 12 for this draft? Why couldn't someone have said it after round six, hey, you're playing really well. Come and have a few games with us in the seniors. Like, it. I don't know why we don't just allow it, but these are the rules and, and that's what, sort of what we got to do. And they want to turn this mid-season draft into a, a big thing like the draft and it's, it's just really not. Nah, look, I agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, the whole issue with this this uh, draft for me is just what it does to the next level down, particularly the Waffle and Sandful. You'll you'll hear plenty from them about their uh, prime talent being poached. So don't know if they like it at the mid-season point. Don't like it if it was uh, sort of hanging over them for the whole season. Don't think you get them agreeing to that. Maybe, you know, there's a max per club or, or, you know, a team can nominate a player that they're happy to let walk. I don't know. There's something there. But, look, it. it I mean, we've, we've had plenty of seasons without the mid-season draft. So, look, maybe, I mean, without getting it, I mean, I, all my solutions in my head that I'm thinking of now are, are real technicalities. I mean, do you have a list that you can nominate and players can pick from, I mean, clubs can pick from a pool. I mean, how technical do you want it? Um, look, yeah, I'm just going to be interested to see what our clubs do. But, um, yeah, I guess it's not high on the uh, priority list uh, for me. No, no, it's not. As an event, as a mid-season Yeah, as an draft, event. I mean, I'm, not, obviously. We just yeah. have picks, our teams. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll stick Saints-centric. Uh, nice little uh, Well, this one, this one had to be asked. Um, yep. So Max King has the yips that can't be described as anything else. Looks down on confidence. I think 
I think he just needs a week off. Just go, take some time, go away from the club. Not ideal in Melbourne. You can't go anywhere now, so who knows what they do. Um, but he rang uh, Lordo, his old coach from Halebury, who, you know, he's kicked 900 odds, so knows a thing or two about putting him through the big sticks. And he catches up with Lordo, and Lordo says, oh, just get it ticked off by the club. And the Saints go, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take it from here. Uh, you, as a Saints fan... Hearing that story, are you frustrated by that? Yeah, yeah, good question. This one, um, a couple of schools of thought on that one. I mean, I think at the moment they're trying not to crowd him with too many voices. You know, you could have eight people telling you how to do it, but maybe just one direct is better. I mean, now would be the time. I mean, I, I'm loving. I, I love Max as a prospect. Love what he's already done for the club. But yeah, there's a little bit of a confidence issue at the moment. Um, I mean, he, he did some good things on the weekend, but it's just that, that goal-kicking and that, that willingness to present that I think is just the the confidence that he needs to just build back into his game. And so, yeah, if, if you reach out to your mentor, I think you want to get as much out of that as you can. Um, I think that maybe the sports science guys as well got involved and sort of we don't want Max having 100 shots with his hamstring at his age, potentially. Um, I mean, as a pure fan... Yeah, I'd I'd like to see him have sessions with Lloydy. I think it's something he, that makes him feel comfortable and that you know he's grown with as a footballer. And, and yeah, Lloydy knows his stuff. So, look, as a pure fan, I, I wish that could go ahead. But I guess to stick with the side of my club, yeah, they want one voice and it doesn't click by the sports science. So, look, I've probably answered your question from both you, sides of the you're fence. You're going company man. Yeah, you, company man on that protect one. Protect the logo, um, protect the. But badge. I mean, yeah, look. As we said before, the, the the whole like optics on this haven't been great either. They've sort of changed. There's been sort of max blame for it, then the club's taken responsibility. It keeps uh, going. So I think oh, that's because you've got two up. officers. Because some of them are still down in Seaford. Um, could, could I ask you this though? So if the sports science guys are worried about the load on him, does he really need training on a hell of a lot of other things through the week? Can he not just? Take him out of some yeah, of the lane training that, and just focus on goal kicking. Because if he if he kicks straight, you win that game, and you have got confidence, and he's clearly got ability everywhere else. So this is the only thing you got to fix. Well, I mean, what what that, what I find is, is the sports science side of it. I get what they're saying, but find a way to work within those constraints. And if you're worried about too many voices, I'd be going to him and say, look, we're worried about this. You, if you think Lloydie's the right man to come in and be the voice, then we'll arrange it and we'll make sure you're not getting lots of other voices. Like, you got to think, he's grown up. You, you get really close to your coach, especially when you're a young man growing up and playing footy. So he's obviously developed a bond with Lordo to think, oh, I'm going to call him after the game and get some help. So <laughs> I'd be encouraging after it. after the game, to be if that's what I heard. Yeah, I'd be encouraging it to no end, knowing... Lloyd would know what he's talking about and there's already a relationship there so the trust factor will be a lot higher versus any other voice doesn't matter who they are he's just going to have a much better trust but um yeah look not there's not great optics on that from a saint's point of view no i probably could do with some straightening up on the uh on the comms front uh i've got one for you so i wouldn't say it's uh it's well working on my phrasing here is the tagger dead or is it well and truly alive 
So we saw, obviously, uh, over the weekend, James Harbs went to Libba, which was a bit of an outside-the-box one. Towed him up, stopped Libba getting the clearances, helped the Ds on the way to a win. We've seen Hibbard and Stewart play on Dusty and do a great job, and Mark O'Connor reinvent himself as a tagger. So is it dead, or are you happy to say it is alive and back? Is Brad Hill got a game this weekend? Yeah, correct. There, there's he got another one. tagged out of the game by Bailey Scott. And your coach had the nerve to say, oh, Bailey wasn't worried about getting the ball. Well, he had more touches than Brad Hill. And he's playing in his 20-something game. So to digress from my question, just to get that one in there. No, he did do a good job, the young fella. I was just talking about a tagging job on the weekend. It's very (laughs) relevant. Uh, Alive and kicking. Um, Yeah. Look, I I can understand the side of the coin where coaches focus on team defence. but sometimes you just need to go and nullify an individual's impact because the t- some players in the team aren't prepared for just the, le- the strength and, and what some of these star players can do. Um, one interesting thing about Melbourne, obviously Harms went to Libba, but Melbourne had a policy that, I don't know if you've seen this, they only would have one Melbourne player run at the Bulldog players so you would never see two or three Melbourne players swarming the one bulldog because they're so good with their hands they'll get it out and around and out into space so while harms were deliberate they weren't swarming the player with the ball it was just one and they were trusting that one individual to tackle to stick the tackle or to corral or pressure depending on the situation so it, look tagging's alive and well um, as long as it's done the right spirit and some players don't handle a tag that well because they're not used to it, and I, that's fair enough. Um, I think the only thing I hate seeing is when the taggers get on top. Not so, Sorry, not get on top, get under the skin, and then the retaliator has a free kick paid against them. I think most of the time they're wrong in that, the umpires. Um, I'll give you an example from my club. Kane Turner, he has been taking on a tagging roll down back. He actually got pinged on the weekend. Um, I was going to say, yeah, hold off on, the press. On Butler, but oh, who did we play the other week? He was on, I'm trying to remember who it was. He, he played on someone and he got three free kicks, four, because he kept getting knocked over. And I'm telling you, he would have been doing all sorts of annoying things the whole game. That what, Against the Bombers was that one or against the uh, Hawks? Yeah, it could have been the Bombers. Pies. Yeah, probably the Bombers. Probably uh, one of their mids, I think. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember it as well. I think it was one of their mids yeah. in there, yeah. Um, but it was like, so long as the taggers are... I'm happy for them to wear them tightly. I'm happy for them to give some niggle, but not consistently hold and push in the back and effectively infringe, but without doing it too hard that it's a free kick. Because then someone retaliates and it's a free kick against them and it starts escalating. So... Um, it's definitely back, but it's got to be adjudicated properly for mine. No, I like it. Got any more for me? I've got a couple if you if you want to. Uh, very quickly, where's Harry Mackay going? Lots of talk. Lots yeah, of talk. Yeah, so you are clued in here. I mean, I'm seeing uh, Harry and Ben actually in discussions to, to move as, a, so, as a package. I don't know how that would ever happen. Kane Corns brought this up. This is yeah. This is why I wanted to bring this up, Tom. It makes so much sense. You go and get a key forward who's leading the Coleman. You get a key defender who's having a, a breakout year. Of course you want to bring them in. Of course. Yeah. Like, just logically you would. Now, let's just back it up. You'd have to trade for both. 
I'm telling Very you now as a North fan, I'm on the. I don't think I'd just take the Bombers' first round pick this year. Let's say they finish ninth where they are. That's pick nine. I wouldn't take that for Ben. I want more. Wow, that's that's uh, interesting. That's a, a top ten pick. Well, what do you do? Who would you draft for the top ten pick? Yeah, I you guess, try and look, draft yeah, a key defender who's going to play ten years, who we've already got. So why would you take it? I want more than that, and. You might say it's unreasonable. Even if you say we'll take the first round pick, what are they giving up for Harry? Carlton will ask for more than that, won't they? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're talk, we could talk like just the pure what this deal's worth. You're talking sort of, you know, bombers, bombers involved, so it, it's going to be astronomical. Blues are stubborn at best. This deal just, I can't see it. Like, all, I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't get done, but the physically or just on paper it doesn't get done either because the Cubs would never agree on anything for this. It's the, the price for Harry in particular would be massive. Yeah, so like... I'm like just three I'd first just, round picks sort of stuff. I'd ballpark that there's probably three first round picks total that would need to change hands. Probably two for Harry, one for Ben. Um, and that... I don't even know if that would get it done. Carton would be, wouldn't be entertaining it, but... It, this was brought up because Essendon have all this cap space, allegedly, because Danaher and Sard have left. Essendon also have lots of father-sons coming up. So I think... Has Hurdy got another son? I think that's right. Um, Alwyn Davies got twins, who are oh, yeah. good Xavier boys, and they are like... Essendon, on, the, on the track? Yeah, I'm pretty sure... Might, I think it's this year, I think it's next, but I think Essendon are looking hard at that. Um there's another one who's got a son coming through. Famous bomber name. It escapes me now, but they're going to have to have picks for these guys if they want them. And I know they want them. There's no logical way they're going to be able to pull this off. Kane Corns, as much as I love him, has just done genuine gutter. I'll pick the bombers. I'll pick um, the common medal leader from Carlton. And I'll throw in his twin brother, and I'll just put that together, and that'll get some chatter. That's all it's yeah, done. It's There's no way it can really it? happen. Um, <laughs> as much as I, it'd be a real circus if it did. Uh, here's what I want to happen. So remember how Carlton played hardball with Jack Martin? Correct. Yep. And they went look, get get North to go to Ben uh, Harry and go look. We love you. We want you. Here's what we're gonna do. We're not going to trade for you. You're not going to sign a contract. You're going to walk to the preseason draft. We'll take your pick one. We'll pay you whatever you want. We'll pay you 1.5. But we won't give up anything for you. So we can then use our pick number one to draft a kid. We've had pick number one in the mid-season draft, pick number one in the national draft, and we'll take you in the preseason draft. And we're going to bring those three into our club this year. Is this? Are we still awake? This sounds like some sort of dream for you at the moment. That is an awesome scenario. That would all depend on Harry saying, "I want to leave and come and play with my brother." That's the only link that North have, but that's the only a Saints have, and they keep talking about bringing Ben King down. So they're doing it publicly too. Which um, who knows how that'll end up? I don't think Harry will leave, but. Um, if he does, I, I'd be getting in. I'd be getting Ben to get into his ear about, hey, do it, just walk, tell Carlton to go and get stuff. They're going to sack their coach and do all if this other think, like. That's what if I'd be you doing. Think that the Twins deal to Essendon would be a circus. That would be a circus. A player walking out on his club into the preseason draft like that. That would be huge. Look, 
we talked extremes earlier in the year. That that's in that realm, but I like it. I really like the outside the box thinking. Um, I'll, I'll straighten us up a dash. Uh, I just want a quick one for you, Jack Rewalt. Uh, his mark of the year contender going back. Oh, that's mark of the year. Then, so I was going to say, do you have it higher than Bolton? Which yep. uh, which we never said didn't even win mark no. of the week, which is a disgrace of that system. But you've got Jack as mark of the year right now. Yeah, he went back with the flight and got a ride. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how it was physically possible, but he did it. Um, Bolton's was just a good leap, which we see plenty of. Um, No, Jack's for mine. No, I'm with you on that one. No, that's it from me today, Tom. Uh, Just thanks, everyone, for listening and your support. It's It's been a wild ride this half of the year. We'll be here, lockdown or not, for the rest of the year. Uh, please share with a friend give us a review if you've enjoyed it uh, and like you said flip those questions through if you're driving pull over if you're locked down at home like most of our uh, Vic fan bases send them through you've got nothing better to do than people questions so I expect plenty especially from those Roos fans who haven't got memberships yet so